Okay, so we are doing part two, Sick of Being Tired, today, and I am excited to share with you ways that you can cultivate more energy in your morning or during the day whenever you have time to fit any of these things in. Uh, That would be better than not doing it at all. In part one, I went over some easy tips to get your morning started on the right foot, and it is literally all things that you can do before you even set a foot on the ground. Um, I call these easy tips, but I do want to just preface this episode, and if you're going back and trying to incorporate the tips from the first episode, that I understand that what is easy for some may not be easy for others. And I've been there in the weeds of overwhelm, and it is really hard to make a change when you are already feeling overwhelmed. To incorporate something new that takes energy that you feel like you may not have. And so I'm going to deal with what to do when you're really, really overwhelmed and really, really exhausted in part three. But today in part two, I just want to give you a little bit of encouragement that the hardest part of creating a new habit is always just getting started. Okay, so today we're going to dive into ways that you can cultivate more energy. And I just want you to be able to set yourself up for success and celebrate the fact that you did the thing. If you did the thing, that's great. If you did the thing for two minutes, that's great. If you did the thing for five minutes, even better. If you did the things for a whole 30 minutes, good for you. But I would say let's start off small and let's just celebrate our wins and then build on that. Like I said again, starting the thing always takes the most energy, okay? So our goal in the beginning isn't to do the thing to perfection or do the thing for the full amount of time that we can possibly fit in. We just want to do the thing and celebrate the fact that we showed up for ourselves. Okay, without further ado, let's dive in to cultivating energy tips. Hey loves, I'm a personal development junkie, and I have been for the last 20 years. No, seriously, I am a self-care advocate and life coach, and I am passionate about helping other women out of the overwhelm and into the happiest, most authentic versions of themselves. I hold multiple certifications in a variety of fields that combined allow me to customize healing and energizing self-care rituals for my clients. I've been through and come through a lot chronic pain and fatigue, depression and anxiety, and just about postpartum everything. I'm an empath with compassion and intuition for others' needs. Now, I help other women get unstuck with practical self-care tips on makeup and skincare to custom self-care rituals you can use to nourish your body, mind, and soul. So what are you waiting for? It's time to take your power back. Let's get started. just share this caveat at the start of every episode. You need to check with your personal care provider, physician, nutritionist, specialist, whoever you see to know and see whether what I'm recommending is right for you. I am not 
a healthcare professional. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's dive in. Okay, I apologize if my voice is getting really raspy. I think I overdid it on burning essential oils as I'm recording this. So my throat is a little raspy. Apologize for that. Uh, bear with. So the first tip that I have for you is breath. And it sounds pretty easy, and it is, but there are different levels that we can incorporate breath into our morning or into our day that can re-energize us. And I really love coming back to the breath for two reasons. One is that you can do it anywhere. So if I'm lying in bed exhausted, I can take a nice, deep, cleansing breath. If I'm anxious on my way, running late to work, I can take a nice, deep, cleansing breath or two while I'm driving. And the second thing that I love about breath as an energy hack is that it brings you to the present moment. So whenever you are focusing on your breath, you are in the present moment. And another word that you hear for this is mindfulness. And so mindfulness is always a great way to reduce our stress and bring us to the present moment. Often they say, if we are feeling depressed, our mind is in the past. And if we are feeling anxiety, our mind is in the future. So if you suffer from any of these uh, mental health issues around depression and anxiety, and I have been there, bringing yourself back to your breath is a really simple way to reduce your stress and to regain center. So to come back into yourself and to feel that much more in control. Okay, so I'm just going to walk through four different breathing techniques that you can use, each increasing in intensity. So the first most common breathing technique is the inhalation through the nose and exhaling through the mouth. And there are two different ways that you can do this. While you're driving or when you're anxious, a good starting off method that you can kind of do anywhere is box breathing. So box breathing is doing a count for the same number of seconds in, holding for that same number of seconds, and then exhaling for that same number of seconds. So if you are driving, you can try this along with me. If you're at home, you can try this along with me. So first thing we're going to do is breathe in through our nose for four. And then hold for four and exhale through your mouth for four. So box breathing is a technique that you can do anywhere. It makes you more conscious of your breath and make sure that you're taking nice deep breaths so you're feeding your muscles, the oxygen they crave, and that will in and of itself give you more energy. Now, the next level would be a meditative breath. And so this is a breath that is held 
longer, um, you're breathing in deeper, and especially the exhale is a lot longer. So you're going to go deeper into relaxation, not only physically, but mentally. So this is a great way to enter into a meditative state. And if you are interested in meditation, I'll probably do a separate uh, podcast all about meditation. But um, for now, just meditative breaths um, is going to take you a long way as far as cultivating energy and clearing out the negative energy and the frustration that is getting in your way. So for a meditative breath, we're going to inhale for seven seconds, hold it for four seconds, and then exhale for 11 seconds through your mouth. So you want to make sure that you are exhaling very slowly. You also want to pay attention to your posture when you're doing this. Uh, You can lay down, but I really like to be sitting up whenever I'm doing these breathing exercises so that I can actually um, cultivate the muscles that I would need to breathe like this all day so that I'm doing diaphragmic breathing, that I'm really opening up to my full lung capacity. I find that when I get stressed, when my clients get stressed, that the breaths are very shallow to the point that some of us do not know how to take a deep belly breath anymore. So this is a really good one to retrain those muscles and really stretch into that belly breath. So if you are driving, I don't recommend that you practice this breath, but if you are somewhere alone where you can focus, then let's just do one of these breaths together so you can get a little taste of just how wonderful it feels. So we're going to inhale for seven through our nose. Hold it for four seconds. Exhale for 11 seconds. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. So the next level of breath would be adding movement to your breath. And I discovered that I could do this any time of day, and it's a great way to stretch and kind of reset my body. So especially I find like if you are working at a desk job, this is a great thing to kind of put a little timer on your watch to set to get up and move around, especially because a lot of us are working from home. So we don't have those longer walks to the washroom and the meeting room. And so this is something where you can stay in place and still get your breath um, going, your circulation up, um, really help to wake you up in between tasks. So this is called an Atsana bend in yoga, but basically what you're doing is you are taking a nice deep breath as you bring your hands from your side up together overhead, and I would suggest looking up, and that is one big inhale, and then you would slowly exhale, bringing your hands down to center of your chest, and slowly rolling down until you're basically 
um, folded over. And I like to bend my arms so that they're not touching the ground and just let myself hang from the waist. So this feels amazing um, stretching through the back and then through the glutes and the back of the thighs where you hold all that tension from sitting. And I will do this breath a few times in the morning if I don't have time to do movement or meditation. It's kind of like everything all in one. And so I will go through that rolling up very gently, um, like rolling almost like you can feel like notch by notch on your spine, rising up very, very gently, pulling in your belly button and um, fixing that core, especially if you have back problems. You don't want to be using your lower back to raise yourself up. Okay, and then as you raise yourself up, Bring your arms to the side, up again, overhead, looking up, a nice deep breath in. And then as you go into your fold, you would slowly start exhaling. And I. Okay, and the most energizing breath I have ever found was um, I don't, I'm guessing he invented it. It's his name is Dr. Joe Dispenza. The breathing technique is called supernatural breathing in case you want to look it up on YouTube to see an explanation. And this explanation is really, really helpful to visualize. So I do recommend that you Google the supernatural breathing by Dr. Joe Dispenza on YouTube. And it shows how when we inhale, oh great, notifications are on. (laughs) When we inhale, our the tail of our spine moves back and even the with the plates in our skull where they meet, some space is created there. So when we take this deep inhale and then almost you picture it pulling down to the bottom of your spine, so it's a really deep inhalation, this breath. And then you kind of do this Kegel exercise where, and women, you'll know, women who've had babies, you'll know what this is. A Kegel is almost like when you would go to stop yourself from in the middle of urination to stop that kind of tensing of the floor of your pelvic floor. You bring that up and then you bring your belly button in. And I like to slow, I bring up the pelvic floor and then I will bring my belly button in and out and just imagine like a pump going up my spine. And what this is doing is throughout the day and through our natural breathing and movement, the spinal fluid will slowly make its way up to your brain and in particular, the penile gland. Is it the penile gland? It sounds like I'm saying penis. Uh, (laughs) Let me go quickly get Google to pronounce this for me and make sure I'm saying it right. Ha ha. Okay. I'm back. It's pineal gland. I knew there was something wrong with the way I was pronouncing it. The pineal gland um, is responsible for making lots of our feel-good hormones like serotonin. So instead of waiting all day for this spinal fluid, which has either a negative or positive charge to make its way up, into this gland, you can kind of pump the fluid 
using breath and the tension in your pelvic floor and your abdomen to pump that spinal fluid up to the pineal gland. Did I say that right? Oh, I'm so bad with pronouncing things. But but yeah, if you do this for an in the video, I'll say like, do it for 10 minutes. I have never done it for 10 minutes. Oh my gosh. If I do it for two minutes, I am cloud. I am on cloud nine. So yeah, I really recommend that you try it. The video really helps and watching someone else do it really helps. And I'm not sure if like when I've watched people do it, I think they just hold their belly button back, but I like to release my belly button and kind of pull it in and out, like almost like a pump because then I feel like I'm actively doing something. I don't know if it makes a difference, but for me, that's the way I like to do it. And so I really recommend that you look up that video and try it because there is nothing else like it. So now we can move on to the second way I cultivate energy, and that is through food choices. So... If you had listened to episode one, you know that I have a history of some disordered eating and I am really not for diets. I get nervous um, probably because of my history with disordered eating, but to have a strict regimen around what you eat, I just don't like the pattern of you know, restriction and then beating yourself up if you break that restriction. And there's also these diet trends that come in every few years. Um, Right now, intermittent fasting is a whole thing. And I just don't like the idea of tuning out our bodies. Hmm, How do like our bodies natural cues. I I feel like most of my life or for not most of my life now, I guess we've balanced things out a bit. (laughs) But uh, for most of my 20s and the first half of my 30s, I ignored my body's cues so much so that that is really what drove me the most into the overwhelm. And so my approach to eating is always about what feels good and what feels good in a sense of physically and emotionally. So yes, I try to focus not on what I'm not going to eat and more focus on what I am going to eat. Um, so I, I know that when you are eating fresh, um, crunchy, crisp, cold vegetables every day, you start to crave those things and you feel more energetic. Uh, But I also know that um, if I deprive myself of chocolate to the point where like my whole life is around avoiding buying chocolate, avoiding ordering dessert, avoiding this, avoiding that, then it's like a life of avoidance, right? So you know, I have my chocolate stash in the freezer and I pop by and, and have a square of it once in a while. And around my time of the month, I make sure that I purchase my favorite ice cream. <laughs> but um, like I said, I like to focus more on um, what I want to eat um, and making those choices consciously. And so I had 
explained this earlier in that my system is just super sensitive to energy drags and it takes me longer to recover. So I've always been a little hypoglycemic, especially I am a deep thinker and I will get lost in my thoughts or lost in my work and then all of a sudden my blood sugar will drop and I'll be all shaky, I won't be able to think straight, I'll get like a cold sweat and if I have one of these kind of bottoming out low sugar episodes, it can take me, like I can be done for the rest of the day. I might need to take a nap to recover. Um, the better health that I'm in, the quicker I recover, but I've learned the hard way that I really need to pay attention to keeping my blood sugar level. And there's so many benefits to keeping your blood sugar level, not just energy-wise, but mood-wise. You're not as hangry. Um, if you're having ups and downs of energy all day, your emotions tend to follow suit. So you might start off excited and then disappointed and then frustrated and then go and get yourself, you know, a coffee and a chocolate bar and be like super outgoing and ready to get the job done. But then you're just riding this roller coaster all day. And especially when you have kids, that does not fly well. I mean, <laughs> I just want to be consistent for my kids. Um, sake some days just to, you know, I expect them to be even keeled in their emotions and I get annoyed when they get overexcited jumping off the couch and, you know, so I need to practice what I preach is basically the point I'm trying to make here. So I make a conscious effort to balance out carbohydrates, fats, and proteins and fiber as well to keep conscious. So what effects if you have a meal that's like all carbohydrates? So it's like you sit down and you eat a box of crackers or you just have a bowl of just noodles. Those types of things or before, like I was having oatmeal with some flax in the morning and a little bit of fruit. That, especially combined with a coffee or like just toast in a coffee, I was burning through that way too quick and I would have this drop early morning and then, of course, you want, like, sugar right away to bump yourself back up because you got things to do. <laughs> so what I found works for me is I always try to make sure that my first meal of the day is always the same thing and it is really well balanced. So I will have, like, a quarter cup of oatmeal with ground flax. So flax is a seed, so it's high in fat and fiber. And I will throw some egg whites in my oatmeal, so not just like water to cook it, but I will hide some egg whites in there for the extra protein. And then I'm going to top that with just like blueberries and some slivered almonds. So again, that's the blueberries is, you know, the fiber again, and the slivered almonds is some fat. So we're getting a nice balance in here of carbs, fats proteins, and then fiber as well. And the reason why fiber is important, not just for regularity, we went, because <laughs> everybody's happy when they're regular, right? <laughs> but also it is um, for slowing down digestion so I don't burn through everything so fast. And all it takes is five minutes of trying to get kids out the door in snowsuits to tank my blood sugar. So I make sure that I have always that well-balanced, and I try to stay conscious of that throughout the day as well with my snacks and with my meals is just not be all one way. And another thing that I do is 
I put almond milk in my coffee in the morning and I do a squirt of MCT oil, which is um, medium chain triglycerides. So this is taken from coconut oil and most of the fats we eat are long chain triglycerides. And so it's a different type of fat that we don't get that often. It's immediately used for our brain. And so when we want to run out of sugar, our brain can run on MCT oil is the theory. But at the end of the day, I know I feel better when I have a little more fat in my um, morning meal. So I like throwing them in my coffee. And because I used to have really bad indigestion, it's um, the fat kind of protects your stomach from the acidity of the coffee. So that's a whole other thing. Um, let me know if you want me to do an episode on curing indigestion and heartburn because I have been there. Boy, have I ever. So as far as cultivating the energy from your food throughout the day, I always carry lots of snacks with me. One of the things that I like to carry in my purse is called an RX bar. So this RX bar is just all natural. It's made with dates, almonds, egg whites, um, chunks of chocolate usually. <laughs> so again, it's just something that I can go to that is a balance for my blood sugar. And I need to eat about every two hours. Um, other things I'll throw it in my bag to eat are like some almonds, carrots. I will throw in uh, <laughs> everything in like uh, a cooler, like a not like a neoprene lunch bag. If I know I'm going to be running errands all day, I will throw it in a neoprene right uh, lunch bag so that I can throw an ice pack in there. Throw my carrots. Throw in some real dressing with real. Um, fats and not like high in sugar. So I always buy my salad dressing is either made at home or I will buy it um, from the refrigeration aisle. And I will even squirt some extra MCT oil in there to kind of up the fat intake of that to have with my carrots. I know this sounds crazy to some people like going out of my way to add fats <laughs> to things, but I'm all about the slow burn in the blood sugar. And so that keeps my mood even, that keeps my energy even, and it keeps me from crashing. So I'm just like having small balanced snacks all day long um, and not having like too big um, of a meal just to kind of keep that blood sugar as even as I can. All right, so... I've kind of saved the hardest one for last, which is physical exercise. And that just sounds miserable in and of itself. I actually used to be someone who really enjoyed and looked forward to going to the gym in my early 20s. And, you know, I had a personal trainer. I was excited to do more reps and lift more and more weight. And then I had a back injury that like kept reoccurring and then one day the pain just stayed and it took about two years for me to figure out that I had hypermobile joints which basically means double jointed which means your joints move more than they should so your range of motion is more than it should be and what had happened to me is 
that um, probably from working an office job so much and being so sedentary and um, having the double jointedness, I had um, one day just bent the wrong way. I had a muscle spasm that was really strong and it pulled my pelvis out of place. Um, it's called an SI joint dysfunction, something like that. And I had to go through short-term disability and a bunch of doctors and a bunch of physiotherapists and work really hard to just keep my pelvis back in place. And it continued to go out several times a year, um, started to get it back under control. And then with each pregnancy, I had to rehab. It would eventually go out about month four. being pregnant and it's just been a whole thing and it really was the beginning of the catalyst for me being in so much pain not being able to sleep and then fibromyalgia came on from the trauma of dealing with all those issues anyways so that's when I say I saved the hardest for last um I'm coming from a point of trauma I guess and I know that I have met other clients in my life that have experienced this where you are on a roll, you're on a high, you actually enjoy physical activity, and then something happens that takes that activity away from you. And I can remember more than once deciding that I was going to like get back to the gym and just be like crying on my way to the gym, worried that something bad would happen and I would end up in physio all over again. And you know, there was a lot of disappointment around that. And also dealing with fibromyalgia, exercise, um, a lot of the time kind of felt like I had the flu after. So there was no high and endorphins that kind of lasted and I felt, you know, that good sore feeling the next day after working out. No, 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 no. I would have, you know, my glands all swell up to the size of golf balls, get a low-grade fever, just feel like sick to my stomach. So me and physical activity have had a love-hate relationship to say the least. And I can remember being like so, so overwhelmed just by having to like walk around the block, knowing that I needed to do movement. But the thought of just walking around my little bay where I live was just so overwhelming. And so I really had to start minute by minute. And if I ever go over this, even now, like I have fallen out of my exercise routine. I was walking like 45 minutes to an hour a day in the summer. And then in the winter, that kind of like has fallen by the wayside. Um, Going on the treadmill, I was back up to like a half an hour a day and that was feeling great. And then I ended up getting sick and then homeschooling the kids and the whole routine has fallen out. And I tried to go back, read up to 20 minutes one day. Nope. Then I got that sick feeling. So my suggestion would be is if you don't have physical activity currently in your life to start slowly. And I found that, you know, I would go for five minutes. And then the next day I would go for six minutes. And then the next day I would go for seven minutes. And I might hold seven minutes for the rest of the day and just celebrate showing up. And that would be for, um, I'm talking mostly about like walking. There's no way that I could do running with all of my (laughs) injuries and sprains anymore. That does not feel good. But the walking outside is absolutely my favorite, 
favorite thing to do. The getting the sunshine, the fresh air, seeing, you know, all the little animals and birds, um, that just feels wonderful. But it's really hard to be motivated when it's minus 40 outside and your treadmill is in a dark basement. So I like to bribe myself with like listening to my favorite podcast or maybe watching a show on TV. Um, not on TV, like on my phone with my my earpods in, or you might bring an iPad. Maybe that's the time when you get to watch like the next episode to your favorite show. Whatever you need to do to show up. <laughs> Again, this is all about starting habits. Showing up is the hardest thing. Getting started is the hardest thing. So once you are over that, it's smooth sailing. And pretty soon, Once it's part of your routine, once it becomes an actual habit, which usually takes two to three weeks, then it's easier to stay there for a half an hour. And before you know it, you know, the time has gone by and you've worked yourself up to 30 minutes on the treadmill every morning. And I know another um, thing that can be really hard, especially for moms, is getting everybody else on board. Not only is it hard just to start the thing, if you know, if I was living in a house by myself, making up my own schedule, just getting on that treadmill at 7:30 a.m. every morning because I know I'll feel good for the rest of the day, that is difficult in and of itself to start that habit. Especially when your treadmill's in the deep, in the dark, dungy base basement, but there's nowhere else it fits. And I'm very lucky to have a treadmill at home. But Anyways, I digress. But if you have a partner, and especially if you have kids, it takes even more energy because you now have to get everybody on board with, this is mom's time, do not interrupt me, you know, go do the thing. And that can be difficult. And so that is a whole other reason for just starting off with a few minutes. So you have to slowly create that space in the family. So you're not just creating a new habit for yourself, but you are creating a whole new habit for your family. I know my house, I my routine kind of sets the tone for everyone else's routine and expectations. And there is a lot of uproar when mom changes her routine and mom's not available to help me get dressed or to brush my teeth for me or whatever it is that the kids have clung to as part of their routine, they have to change as well when you start something new. So I understand that it can be daunting. But if you are anticipating a little bit of pushback, um, even go as far to say tomorrow mommy is trying something new so she feels better and more healthy. So when I go downstairs on the treadmill, you know, it would really help if, and then explain what they should be doing while you're doing that. Or explain if you have any questions, can you go ask mom or dad or your partner or your big, or your big brother or your big sister if you need help with X, Y, Z. And morning may not be the best time for you to squeeze, squeeze in, especially if you're not a morning person and that sleep time is just so important. So if you are going to exercise another time of day, I would recommend that it not be too close to bedtime because then again, that wakes you up. But in the morning or late morning before lunch um, is always 
been the best time for me because it provides me energy for the rest of the day. So I would say start slow. You may have to, you know, get your family on board with the new routine. Even if that's taking five minutes in the morning to meditate, um, to just do your breathing, um, to take the extra time in the morning to make your own breakfast. Maybe you got to teach your kids how to pour their breakfast so you have those extra four to five minutes to make your own breakfast and actually sit and eat it. So creating space for cultivating energy is also another really big deal. Uh, The other thing I do for movement is I really like there is this um, postnatal yoga exercises for fixing. Now, I'm going to pronounce it wrong. I always do. Diastis recti, something like that. (laughs) I'm... But it's basically when the walls of your abdomen has separated from a pregnancy. And so I am still working on this. I still have a big gap there. I still look like I'm about five months pregnant all the time. So just working on this in the morning sometimes is my choice for movement. Um, There's a great yoga video. If anybody wants it, send me a message and I'll forward it to you on closing the walls um, so they're closer together and or like a series of yoga movements. So I'll find like a 10-minute, 15-minute yoga video that's really gentle. Because I have those hypermobile joints, I don't want to do anything too fancy. <laughs> but um, but yeah, and so I'll kind of alternate between those things. And like I said, I fall off the horse often on the physical side. It is my biggest challenge because I have to start again so slow. (laughs) But um, I would encourage you to just do your best, make space. And as I've said with everything, just showing up is the hardest part. And it is also the most important part. You need to show up for yourself. If you want more energy, you have to show up for yourself first, fill your cup first before you can fill anyone else's. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow me on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to hit the bell for notifications when the next episode is released. If you have any questions about anything mentioned today or my services, or you would like a free consultation with me, please go to my website at www.melissaleekissel.com. I'm always eager to continue the conversation. You can follow me on Instagram at Melissa Lee Kissel and Facebook right now at Under That Makeup Girl. Thanks for tuning in.